Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. It's so wonderful seeing some new people here today. I'm just so delighted. It's just great having all of you here and and uh, on this snowy day. I tell you, I, I, I cannot figure out Asheville. Asheville is the only place that one area can get one inches, another area can get three inches, and Tammy, who lives just a mile down the road in Buckeye Cove, got 12 inches. So go figure, only in Asheville, you can get that variance in, in snow depth, and, and I'm like, so I'm glad some of you braved the elements, some of you are like, what's the big deal, one inch, you know? Tammy sent me a picture, and she's like, I got 12 inches! I'm like, golly, I, I would not want to be a weatherman in Asheville. I think it would be the most humiliating job in the world because no one, they can't predict anything. You know, it's like I would say, it might snow. Yeah, in one inch, it could be 12 inches. Just go figure it out yourself. That's what I would say. But yeah, it would not want to be a very um, uplifting job. So uh, I'm, you know, today I, I was processing, Lord, what he's wanting to share today, and, um, and I'm excited about it because this is really being birthed out of something that I know God has been doing in my life, and I know he's been doing in the body of Christ, and that is, in the last two years, COVID has done a lot of things for the body of Christ. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but COVID has, you know, God works everything together for good. He can, he can have a bad hand and still come out looking good. So he can take hard times, challenging times, difficult times, financial times that are just a real strain, and God knows how to make something beautiful out of it. COVID has brought a lot of things to the surface in our own personal lives. He's allowed it to bring some of the dross up in our lives. Has anybody, like, all of a sudden in this last year, all of a sudden started recognizing things on the inside of you you didn't realize were there? I mean, it's like God's just allowed it to bring things to the surface. Not so much that he's upset with you, he's mad with you. He's just wanting to restore you, strengthen you, refine you, and make you into the person he's called you to be. But it's brought a lot of stuff out. We've said things, we're like, did I really just say that? Did, did I just feel like that? Did, am I getting all this angry you know, at this moment because all that is going on around me? Yeah. God is allowing a lot of flesh to come to the surface, and it's for a purpose. Today's message is called Dead Man Rising. God is getting ready to raise up people that have come to realize that we are actually dead in Christ. Our self-life which has dominated our lives and how we've lived and how we've operated has, is being brought to death 
for the very purpose of this. And that is, I believe that we, the body of Christ, are getting ready to experience the power of God's kingdom. I believe God's power is getting ready to manifest in and through the body of Christ. Because at this present stage, the church looks very weak, powerless. We're very, we're not influential. It's like, where's the church right now in, the, in, in our nation? Where's the church? It's almost as if we've been backed into a corner. But it's been a great setup. God is setting us up. Because in this deep work that he's doing, I believe that God is setting it up in such a manner that he's going to get all the glory and man's not going to get anything. He is getting all the honor and the glory that he's getting ready to do on this earth as he manifests his power through a people that have been filled with the power of Almighty God. It doesn't take a prophet to realize this. Thus saith the Lord, you're getting ready to experience power this year. Power comes to those that have been resurrected from the dead. You know, I, I drove by a couple churches. We went this weekend to go see our children in Tennessee. And I go by this sign and I see, Revival tonight. Well, what does that mean? What does revival really mean? I'm like, I don't even know what that would, what that's really saying. If I go into that church, what am I going to experience? I, I have experienced revival, the Brownsville revival, but I don't really know the fullness of what, what are we reviving? Are we dead? Are we lethargic? Have we gotten cold? I don't really fully understand, but I know this, that only things that have been dead can be revived. And when we come into the fullness of understanding that we are dead in Christ, we are candidates for the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. When we press into realizing that our old self is dead. Because Paul says this in Romans 6, 5. We could put this up. The verse 6, 5. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. He can't resurrect the resurrect. You have to be dead to be resurrected. So in that, he's setting us up so that we can experience the fullness of resurrection power. But it all comes down to that your old self will die and is dead. You know your old self has got you in a lot of trouble over the years? It really has gotten you in a lot of trouble. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble. My old self likes to do things the way I like to do. And I've lived a life with an old self that has said, it's either my way or the highway. And you know, in that, we got to realize that the old self has died in Christ. It's a reality. It's not a maybe. 
It's a reality. Your life is hidden in Christ. You've died in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. So what that means is, is that the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you're a new creature in Christ, you're not getting a supersized new self. You know, like you go to McDonald's and you get a supersized fries? It's not like your old self got a, um, an improvement or your old self got kind of like a little touch-up job. You got a new paint job. You look good. Yeah, you're looking good. <laughs> you look good. New self. You don't get a little of the old and, and, and a little of the new. It's not like a new and improved mixture of this old and the new. Your old man has died. Died. And you can't, you got to realize that in the death of the old man, you're operating with a whole new operating system on the inside. You don't have an upgrade. You're not getting an upgrade on your computer system. You've gotten rid of the old hard drive. You've got a whole new wiring system on the inside. And so in this, you're a new person that is operating at a divine, holy level. This new person is the image, the divine image of Jesus. You are recreated. You are made new. Your old, si your old self is dead. And in that, it's important that we come to realize this. Because you can't operate in the old self. Think of yourself maybe 25 years ago. Some of you that might be newer in the Lord. Some of you like Joe Jane. Think back at your old self that's 100 years old. But look back at your old self and realize you've got to reckon that old self is really dead. Even though at times it wants to revive itself and try to operate in your life, it's actually dead. And so Paul is making a real clear point, and I want to bring this forth in Galatians 5.16. Because I read this verse many years ago, and when I read this, I went, wow, Paul. You know, you're not mincing words. <laughs> I'm like, you're kind of like, that's like an ouchie. You know, that, that like cuts to your core when you read it. And it's like, and I, when I, I remember reading this verse in Galatians 5.16. When I first read it, I said, surely there's an out clause with this. Does he really mean what he's saying? And, and then, and then I, took, I took the end of this verse, which I'm getting ready to read. And I read it in eight versions. And at the very end, it all says the same way in every version. So let's go ahead and read this. Because it is important that you embrace this to understand that the old self, you can't operate in anymore. The whole operating system on the inside of your old self is gone. you got to get rid of it. So let's read this together. It's uh, starting at verse 16. Let me emphasize this. Is that verse 16? Maybe I'm... 
as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of the old self. Let's move on. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living freely within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will, no, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Now, why is this important? Next verse. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, Chasing after things instead of God, idolatry, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, oh, you know, he just doesn't mess around. It's like he just kind of like he goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and then all of a sudden, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Have not I already warned you that those who use their freedom... For these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Woo. Now, I read that in eight different versions. Eight different versions say you will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. I'm like, okay, there's no way out of this. This is, this is like hitting... Uh, me between the eyes, and the reality is, he's saying this. He's talking to believers. Paul's talking to believers here. Because we have been, we found freedom in Christ. To whom the Son is set free is free indeed. He's saying, you can't allow the freedom that has been given to you and still indulge in the things of the flesh. He says, you can't do that. To the point where if you do that, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, the kingdom is God and God is the kingdom. Where God is, is where his presence is. He's saying, you won't be with me. That's sobering, is it not? I mean, really, think about that. Our longing and our desire in life is to be with him. Now, he's not saying, he's not saying that those that are desiring, that are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, and they're very conscious of, of saying, Lord, forgive me. 
I sinned in this area. I got angry. I bursted out in anger, and I just said some things I shouldn't have said. And you repent. He's talking about those that have no regard for their walk in Christ, their freedom that they have in Jesus, have no regard for the things of the flesh and are choosing to walk in uncontrolled addictions and the other list of things. So there's grace in this. This is for an individual that is saying, yes, I love God, but I'm going to live my life the way I want. And he's bringing it into picture to where it's important that we understand this so that we can fully come into an understanding that, and Paul's not, Paul's then shifts gears, and then he all of a sudden he says in Galatians 2.20, let's go there. He said, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live the self-life, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the reality is, Paul is saying, my old self-life has now been crucified with Christ. And this is just not Paul. Paul's not saying this just for himself. He's saying that now also for us. Because in that, his experience is to be our experience. And this reality that he is sharing is to be every believer's reality. So Galatians 5.24 says this. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. He's saying it right there for us. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. So the reality is, is that our self-life, when we have received Jesus, our self-life was nailed to the cross. It was nailed there with him. And then the reality of this goes even deeper in Colossians 3.3. Not only have you been crucified with Christ, you've also been buried with Christ. Because we are buried when we are baptized in water. Scripture says that we are buried in Christ. So not only have you been, your self-life has been nailed to the cross, now you've actually been buried with him, as it says in Colossians 3.3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. So you've been crucified, your old self has been, has been crucified, and your old self has now been buried. So now we, we look at Romans 6, 3 through 5. I just want to read that scripture. Romans 6, 3 says this, For you have, have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means this, that we were co-buried with him. Do you see what he's saying there? 
You're buried with Jesus. You're co-buried. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of the new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his. And the new life that it imparts. So we're crucified with Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we're raised together with Christ, and we're seated with him in heavenly places. And in that, we are now able to walk and overcome the sinful desires of our flesh and walk in the newness of the Spirit. So someone might be thinking, yeah, I might be a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. I might have a new operating system. But why do I struggle so much with my flesh still? Has anybody ever thought of that? Why do I still struggle so much with my flesh? It really likes to do some things I don't want to do. And it seems like the more I even try to stop it, it gets worse. We want to, our old self wants to satisfy our flesh and to satisfy its gratification. So however it takes, what we got to begin to do is this. We got to begin to acknowledge and believe, number one, that we are new creatures in Christ, that the old things have passed away, and that we are not subject to slaves to our old self anymore. So if we're struggling continually to die, it really is an indication that we've not died yet. And there has to be a death to the self-life. So as a new creature, what we got to realize in, is this, is that your, your self-life, you know, I, I really... I'm, I'm hoping for the day when we can have the, um, the gated community that can come back on Sunday mornings and we can have some baptisms. Because it is an incredible picture when we have ladies that are being baptized here on a regular basis on Sunday mornings. But it's a picture of the old self being buried and going under the water. Now, I want you guys to understand this. This is so important. Your old self has died. But your mind doesn't realize it yet. Your mind has been operating to satisfy the lust of the old self. So your mind is like, see, your mind has been hostile towards God. Your mind has been operating with the old self, and it knows how to satisfy the desires of the old self. So your mind knows how to, how to satisfy the old man that got you in a lot of trouble. And now your mind has a whole new self. It's like 
It's, it's, it's almost kind of like a, a cow looking at a new gate. Your mind's looking at your new self and is thinking, hmm, I don't understand this system. I don't quite know what's going on here. There's a new sheriff in town. And your mind is, is having to be renewed to the truth of what God's Word says so it can operate fully in the freedom that we have in Christ being filled with the power of Almighty God. Your mind has got to realize and come to, to reckon to the fact that you're dead. Your old man is dead. Your new man is going to operate in the fullness of Christ. You know, Paul says the miracle is this. Christ within you, the hope of glory. It's like as if, if there was a big picture of Jesus on your chest. You're walking around. He's, he's in you. The, the divine holy one is living in you. You know, it's like when I, I've talked to children and, and I, I've said, how do you know that? How do, you, how do you know that Jesus loves you? Because he lives inside my heart. And, and the reality is, is that Christ is dwelling within you. You're walking around with him in you. And his divine nature is living in you. You're recreated. You're a whole new person. But your mind has got to get up to Speed with the fact that, man, you got a whole new turbo-boast person on the inside, and his name is Jesus, and he's operating on a level in the spirit that your mind can't figure out fully. It's got to be transformed so your mind can kick into gear with your new self, and you begin to do the works of God. You begin to see the power of God. You begin to have this renewed life. Because you've been brought up from the dead. Yourself is dead. And you're getting ready to experience revival. Reviving the new person that you are. And that's only a work of God. Well, when you're, you know, a, a dead man cannot sin. Think about it. A dead man cannot sin. You can't sin when you're dead. So in that, God is wanting to raise up the body of Christ. They're fully yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. And their life is no longer theirs. Living life in the flesh is over with. God is saying, I have great things for you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've got to quit playing tiptoe through the tulips with our Savior having one foot in the camp of our flesh and the other foot in the kingdom. That is no place to be. It is time that we all have a party of realizing that the old man is dead. And we are new in Jesus. I cannot think the way I used to think satisfying the desires of my flesh. Those days are over with. And the reason I know that we are candidates to experience the power of God is because God loves to raise up 
dead people. God loves to bring things back to life. God loves to restore all things. God loves to make all things new. I just, I, I, I listened to the Lord for me this year. For, I said, Lord, I want to know what are you going to do in my life this year? He says, I'm getting ready to restore all that the enemy has stolen in your life. I'm getting ready to restore those things that the enemy has taken from you. And I said, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you restore all things. And in that, so the residue of the, of the old mind, you got to realize it's kind of like, it's like residue. It's in your brain. And your brain has this residue of knowing how to satisfy the, the old man. And this residue is, is in your emotions. See, your mind, it's your mind, will, and your emotions. All has been blanketed with figuring out how I can satisfy the old man. And your mind, will, and your emotions all is going to get a, a major adjustment. And it's going to come by renewing your mind. Your mind has got to be renewed in the Word of God. You've got to retrain your mind with the truth of God's Word. You've got to think, okay, i got to think upon those things are right. Well, what, are, what does that mean? Well, if, if you're wondering, you know, should I pay for all of my taxes to the IRS? Scripture says, think upon those things are right. Yeah, it's right. If your mind is thinking upon somebody else, and you shouldn't be, you need to think upon those things that are right. Think upon those things that are right. Think upon your own spouse, not someone else's spouse. Think upon those things that are pure. Okay, well, I'm really thinking about some bad stuff right now. Well, no, I need to think about those things that are pure. Those things that are holy. Those things that are divine. Beginning to renew your mind is going to make a shift in your emotions. It's going to make a shift in, in your thinking. But it's your personal responsibility to get this thing in line with your new man. And you're going to have to apply yourself. You're going to have to meditate upon the Word. You're going to have to be in the Word. You're going to have to declare the Word. So let's just get right to the Scripture that I want you to, to see for today. If there's anything I want you to take away from today, it's this Scripture. Romans 6, verse 10 through 11. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. By reckoning yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto Christ, is going to begin to awaken your mind to the reality that the old man is dead. 
and that there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Jesus, and he lives on the inside of you, and he's holy. And in that, to reckon, you've got to reckon yourself every single day. When you wake up, I reckon myself this day to be dead to sin, but alive unto God. You begin to retrain your thinking and realizing, you know what? I can't think the way I used to think. So what does it mean to reckon yourself to be dead to sin? Let me pull up a slide. The word reckon means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, to count over, to take into account, to suppose, to deem, judge, to consider, take into an account, meditate upon. You're really wrestling with this whole idea. And this word, this Greek word for reckon, it, I want to read this up here, this quote. by Wol Andrew Womack said this, and it was so good what he said. Because the Greek word conveys no causative meaning but rather only an inventory or an assessment of a condition that already exists. Do you hear what he just said? He's saying, when you reckon, you're actually, you're reflecting upon the reality of something that already exists. It's a reality. It's not a maybe. It is a truth. When you are dead in Christ, you've been crucified and buried with him. You're reckoning yourself, realizing a condition that actually exists right now. Therefore, the state of being dead to sin already exists for the Christian. But we have to seize this benefit by wrecking it to be so. You've got to seize it with your mind. I am a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. The use of the word indeed in that verse further establishes that this is already an accomplished work of Christ that we are simply appropriating. So you're appropriating the reality every day. I'm reckoning myself as dead. And you're not like giving up. You're giving up something that always got you in trouble anyway. You've become alive in God, filled with the power of God, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and we're able to step into the works of God and see the power of God manifest in and through our lives where we are going to experience revival. He revives those that have been dead. Well, you're reckoning, I'm dead. Well, you're a great candidate to be revived. It's time the body of Christ experience almighty revival from a God who loves us so much that he gave his only son. So I'm telling you what. You've not experienced full being born again until you realize you've come alive. You're a new person. You know, the understanding that, that Christ paid your debt in full, it was a debt you could not pay. It was probably $5 trillion. I don't know how big your debt was. But it was far bigger than you could ever pay. He paid it all. To whom is forgiven much, loves much. 
You're going to be a lover of God because you realize he's paid the debt in full for your life to give you a new life in Jesus. But we must reckon. We must have regard. We must count. You must think of yourself as dead. You've got to remind yourself. So while it is true that our sinful life with Christ on the cross, while it is true that our sinful self has been crucified with Christ, we've got to begin to reckon, consider, have regards for a fact that's already been established. It's a reality. It is what happened in your new birth. You died. You were crucified. It's what happened in our new birth. In this old life, this old life that we've had, we, you're going to get to the point where you don't, even, you don't even remember your old man. You don't even remember what it, what, how he used to talk, how he used to operate. Because you've been willing to allow to put your foot down and say, you know what, for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve the old man anymore. This house is going to be a holy house. Jesus lives. And I'm going to follow him and live for him and serve him. And I'm going to be willing to die for him. Romans 6, 7 says this. For he who has died is freed from sin. Do you hear what that's saying? That's why there's getting ready to be dead men and dead women rising. You can only raise a dead person. But a dead person cannot sin. A dead person cannot operate in the old self. So as we come to reckon, deem, judge, count, we're going to realize that we are free from sin. We are free from sin because of the finished work of the cross of our Lord Savior. Jesus won the victory. He paid your debt in full. And in that you have been born anew. Luke 9.23 says this. And he was saying to, and he said to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, you must deny himself, set aside the selfish interests, take up his cross daily, experiencing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, Conforming to my example in living and if indeed be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Luke 9, 23. I also want to read this. I love this in the Amplified. It says that to deny himself, you disown yourself, you forget yourself, and you lose yourself. (laughs) Well, you just said goodbye to self, didn't you? You refuse yourself, and you let go of the self. So circling back around, I believe that this last couple years, 
we've seen a whole lot of self. And God has allowed a lot of it to come to the surface for one reason, one reason only. It's because it's to die. It's to be crucified. Because God wants to do something in and through our lives that only He can do and only He can get all the glory for. So to deny ourselves is to disown ourselves, to forget ourselves, to lose sight of ourselves, to refuse ourselves, and to give up ourselves. That's a whole lot of self. Well, you know, talking about death is not always the funnest thing. But the beautiful thing in Christ is that those that are dead will be raised. And you know what? We haven't really lived life until we live the fullness of how he made us. He made you from the beginning of the foundation of the world with a purpose to walk in the works of God. He made each of you with a purpose, living in your new self. And you can't operate in the newness of your new self until the old self is gone. You just can't. You can't operate in two systems. Your old man's dead. And that enables you to walk and be yielded to the Holy Spirit to live a life that will be fully alive. We're not really fully alive until we're dead. And we recognize that. And we reckon ourselves as dead. So I'm excited. My heart is thrilled with what I believe he's getting ready to do in and through the body of Christ. And this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, I really, I have to say, I, I give a lot of honor and um, respect for the churches. They're willing to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. He who loses his life finds their life. And they're going to be five years in Oman in a predominantly Muslim nation. But see, they're doing it out of love for their Savior. They're doing it because they want to fulfill the great commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to see this because the self-life has died and you're choosing your new life in Christ. And there's a great reward for those that walk in the newness of their life in Christ. We need to have high honor and regard to individuals like the churches. We need to honor them for their, their commitment to what they're doing. So in that church, I think great things are ahead for us because the dead man's going to rise in our midst with power 
and authority and be submission to our Savior, Jesus. And we're getting ready to experience the mighty works of God as he pours his spirit through us that are willing vessels to walk in step with him. So let's just stand. Father, I thank you and I praise you. And Lord, I thank you that your scripture is very clear. In John 15, verse 3, you said, Lord, the words that I've spoken to you have made you clean. Lord, your word brings sanctification and cleansing to our lives. Your word is truth. And your word renews and restores all things. And we thank you that your word sanctifies us in truth. And Lord, I pray, Father, for this church that we would grow up in all things with a renewed mind according to your word. The Lord, our mind would begin to operate with our new self and not our old self. I'm asking, Lord, by the power of your spirit, you would renew the minds of your people to walk in the ways of God. And God, I just praise you and thank you this day that, Lord, we are being positioned as candidates to receive your almighty power to flow in the authority of Christ and to begin to see the loss saved. To begin to see those that are hurting to be healed. To begin to see those delivered from demonic oppression with one word. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that the wind is getting ready to fill the sail of your people. That there's getting ready to be a move of your spirit that is going to begin to sweep across this country. And God, I just say, let it start here with us. God, I'm asking that you would baptize this church in fire with power. I'm asking that you would baptize this church in your love. That we would be lovers of you. And I pray, Father, that you would ignite such a fire in the hearts of us here. That, Lord, there would be a revival fire that would break forth. So, Lord, I just say, Maranatha, come. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill this place with your power. And, Lord, we will declare and decree that it is all the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will get all of the honor and the glory for everything that is said and done. So, Lord, sweep across, across this house. Transform us with renewed minds in the fullness of Christ. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for renewed life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.